0: What up, FA Nation? The family is back with you, and it's time for another reunion. That is the Family Times podcast here on FantasyAlarm.com. My name is Justin Fenster, along with my family members, my cousins, Maddie, Sells and John and Pemba. Boys, what's going on? How was your week one? Uh, My week might might have been better. yeah. Uh, I know, John, because you got your ass kicked by me in fantasy football.
1: I suffered some very poor performances. Uh, I had some exposure. Michael Thomas, Danny Galladay, Corlin Sutton, that had me scrambling. The problem is when we play in as many leagues as we do, we tend to get exposure to a lot of different players. uh, And therefore, you basically can't help but get hit with an injury bug somewhere along the line. You just hope... It's not one of the guys that you really dug your heels in on and, you know, decided to go all in on, you know, and then you're really in trouble. For me, uh, and I talked a lot about this, I was a Philip Lindsay guy late in the round, so I grabbed a lot of Lindsay for, like, bench depth, and now he's out for at least the next handful of weeks with that turf toe.
0: We uh, don't know that, actually. We do not know that. There are conflicting reports out there. i well, are
1: conflicting reports that all right.
0: Confi- he has not been ruled out for week two. And I'm you just hit my buzzer in the operation game. Because let me tell you, these reports are maddening. If turf toe, that doesn't mean it's gonna be resolved in five days. Maybe five weeks, not five days. So is it turf toe or not? That's what we have to realize. And that's what's frustrating about this injury with him.
1: Right. Charter was something that doesn't easily just get resolved. So I mean, hey, I'm I'm hopeful that you're right. I'm hopeful that the the reports will land on my side because, like I said, uh, did a lot of best ball drafts this year. I was doing basically two a week for everybody uh, over best ball tens. I was taking a lot of Lindsey there, so um, you know, having to lose him and then Michael Thomas in our after hours listener league, you know, had him and he's injured for a handful of weeks now. So uh, for me, uh, the struggle was real. Uh, I did have a strong DFS week, however, uh, so that kind of you know, always makes up for it when you can get some of that uh, nice cash uh, on the Sundays.
2: Yeah, I had a mixed bag this week uh, in both of my big money leagues. I have a combo of Michael Thomas and Kenny Galladay at wide receiver, which was Oof. looking awesome until week one. Uh, and then now not so much because we still don't know the status of Kenny Galladay going forward. He might miss week two. We'll see. It sounds Uh, like good thus far. Let me put you that way. Uh, Michael Thomas definitely out week two, probably until like week seven, we're assuming, because it's a high ankle sprain and they have a bye week in week six. Um, so that wasn't that wasn't great. I did manage to win one of the leagues, so that was great. And then, uh, DFS. I played a li- little bit too much Marlon Mack to make money this week. Uh, though Dan Malin, for a ha- split second in the first, in the second quarter of the early games, was actually winning the w- Millie Maker, and he it, So he actually has himself. <laughs> on, uh, uh-huh. But then Marlon Mack immediately got injured immediately upon the screenshot happening. And then <laughs> that was the end of his day. So um, yeah, it, was, it was a mixed bag. Trying
0: not to overreact uh as many people are at this point oh you think it's overreacting i I think you're being a little too hard on everyone i think they're right in dropping odell beckham jr after one week what do you think oh
2: you know how many trade trade questions
0: i got about obj dude it's nuts i am getting saquon trades yeah yep yep parsley trades yeah Uh, like dude it's one freaking week what yes. the hell, man? I get it that we've all been waiting for this moment, and we were all looking forward to it for five months, but come on, let's not shoot ourselves in the foot here, okay? Mixing trades, and,
2: like, just it's just ridiculous. Like, like, drop on,
0: Mark people. Ingram, you drafted the guy in the fourth round. Yeah. What are you thinking? It's just going to be Dobbins? This team's
2: going to run. Yeah, we I saw that. They ran it was just like and by the way they basically split the workload uh between ingram and dobbins i mean if you look at the snaps pretty even so i don't see why the panic is setting in it's just True. one week
1: there is like, a nice there is a nice little article on financial Salon called the running back workloads uh written by myself uh which breaks down the snaps offensive snap percentages red zone carries targets red zone targets uh all the goodness that you need to know about the running back position uh, it was posted today, recording on Thursday. It was posted on Thursday. Oh, today's Wednesday. Posted on Wednesday, recording Wednesday here. Man, these <laughs> days, man, they just flow in together.
0: Yeah, uh, man, they blend, they blend together. That's they really course. do. They're you really know, what, John, do. it's okay, John. We, we have excuses because you have a team, and besides all the work that we do for fantasy football alone and keeping the site afloat, I'll say this, John. I mean, you've got a team in the NBA Eastern Conference Finals. I got a team in the NHL Eastern Conference Finals. So we're allowed to be distracted for a little bit. But one thing, guys, I wasn't distracted about James Conner. So James Conner has this ankle injury and I'm waiting for the videos, for the reports that he's icing the ankle during the game after he was taken out in the second quarter. And he's walking up and down the sideline the entire time. And any medical staff, professional, anyone that is a doctor that knows that when you sprain your ankle, to avoid more swelling, you must elevate and ice in 20-minute intervals. And he wasn't doing that. And that convinces me that he's not that hurt. And Benny Snell was just doing all right, and they're like, "Okay, well, might as well save Connor." And now, week two, he's going to play, and people are spending over fifty percent of their budget—some that I've seen—on Benny Snell, and I think that's not good strategy. No, uh, I think Connor's fine. I think they knew
2: they had the game, you know, pr- pretty well. You know, taking care of their, uh, and they're basically just saving Connor's ankle. Uh, on what will turn out to be a short week for them, obviously, playing on Monday night. Um, Yeah, I mean, the biggest takeaway for me in terms of the running backs was the people that were all going for um, – what's-his-face from Philadelphia? Blanking on his name now. Austin Scott. Yeah. And then uh, forgot that the Eagles offensive line sucks so bad that the, the Washington football team got eight sacks on Carson Wentz on Sunday. Uh, yeah, you can't run behind a terrible offensive line and Boston Scott is five foot six. When's the last time Darren Sproles was a starting running back for an NFL team? I'll give you a hint. Never. I was going to say, it wasn't probably on the Eagles. (laughs) (laughs) Probably, but I'm not sure. I think it was a start by accident because they didn't have anybody else. Uh, and I'm, uh, and I saw him play at K-State. So I love Darren Sproles personally, but like, he's not a starting running back. Boston Scott is the same size. This guy's not going to be a starting running back.
1: Yeah, I expected more receptions out of Scott, but obviously he ended up getting hurt apparently too. He did uh, at times yeah. in that game, so his his stuff was, was limited. But I was with you there. Yeah, I was I was no with you. There. Offensive that offensive line was really concerning, and people are forgetting. You know, Washington drafted Chase Young. I mean, that man is just a grown man. You know, like he is a humongous individual, crazy freak athlete. And, yeah, that defense was on a lot of winning lineups in DFS this week as a min-price play pretty much. Uh, That was was getting it done. Um, You know, the James Conner thing I think is a little interesting because they did mention, like, he hurt his ankle. He went back to get it retaped, tried to come back in the game. You know, was still looking at least slow. And then Benny Snell just kind of come in and and they never put Conner back in the game. Um, You know, so it it could be a a case of a mild sprain or – You know, nothing as serious as, you know, what, what, like a Michael Thomas could be dealing with, but there was a lot of positive camp sort of, uh, analysis coming out regarding Benny Snell this off season. And I I'm a little bit worried that, you know, as somebody who I, I I don't have any James Conner because I was largely drafting David Johnson instead, uh, (laughs) in his place. But, you know, if they already kind of liked what Benny Snell was showing during the off season, and then Connor immediately gets hurt in week one and after coming off a season where he was hurt, you know, is this now gonna be a chance where Connor returns into more of a timeshare situation? You know? And then and then that muddies the water even more because we expected Connor to be one of the few running backs that at the least in the outset would basically be the lead back, you know? Well we
0: were told that. That's why. We were told right. that. And there are very few these days that are told that, that they are the bell cow. That, you know, things have changed. More three-headed monsters, more timeshares, 50-50s. And that's made it a lot harder for us when it comes to running backs to take risk early. I mean, if you have a early first-round pick, you're safe. But other than that, I mean, I drafted James Conner in two spots. And I put in one bid for Benny Snell. I did not get him. I didn't put enough money in there. And I feel bad. And if there's one thing that I could take away is I don't feel with every running back you necessarily need to handcuff. However, with James Conner coming off this injury, I feel like he was one of those running backs that should have popped in my mind. No matter what it takes, you make sure you're getting Benny Snell.
1: Yeah, that's probably a fair point. One thing that I thought was kind of curious was the usage of Jalen Samuels uh, because he actually was on the field for a decent amount of offensive snaps. But as they're considered, you know, path catching running back, they're only one target uh, in that game. James Conner had four, Benny Snell's not a pass catcher. He had one. Um, so i'm wondering if you know connor's out you know what kind of value does jalen samuels have as sort of their their change of pace pass catching uh running back if you know he was on the field for 35 percent of the snaps and only got one target you know like what's what exactly uh is his role going to be because i know some people who missed out on a snow probably also threw a flyer bid on on jalen samuels in case you know to try to get one piece of it but you know i'm curious exactly you know how they're going to you know, use that, you know, use him in their offense.
2: Well, I guess it comes down to, and I didn't catch um, all of the game, but were the Giants doing something that were, they were covering the flat better than they expected, which, you know, changes the way you read a play. So you may not dump it to Jalen Samuels. You may look for, you know, a receiver, a tight end, uh, further downfield or across the middle. So, I think if Connor's out, I think Jalen Samuels has a pass catching role, um, especially you know if they start to double up on Juju, um, Chase,
0: um, was it Claypool? Yep, yeah. looked looked pretty excellent out there. He had a big uh-huh. catch. On that James, James Washington with that nice extra effort to get in the end zone.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you know if you if you come up to a defense that has pretty solid cover corners, then you might get some more dump-offs down to a guy like Jalen Samuels. So it might be a scheme-related thing.
1: Well, they won't find that this week because they're facing a, a Broncos secondary that just had to put A.J. Bouye on IR. Uh, so, And a-
0: they're losing guys left and yeah, right. That secondary
1: yep. is going to be absolutely torched uh, this weekend against Big Ben and that passing attack.
2: Yeah, you want to talk about Torch, though, is the Eagles. Carson Wentz is going to have a long day because they're playing the Rams, uh, who last I checked had a, a guy named Aaron Donald, who's a two-time defensive player of the year, who's going to have a field day with nobody standing in front of him between him and the quarterback.
1: Yeah, So the well, so the one thing I actually saw today was the Eagles may actually be getting back two of their offensive linemen. Um, now again, they're coming back from injuries. How quickly are they going to be? You know, how healthy are they actually going to be? Um, but that was I saw a tweet today. Um, what is it? Uh, Brandon Graham is that his name or something like that? Yeah, yeah and then the uh, the tackle there is also expected to return as well. Yeah, but they um, may see St. that they're Johnson. facing Aaron
2: Donald and decide to sit out another week. Yeah, <laughs> right,
1: exactly. So, but but you know, those are two p- big pieces of their offensive line that are expected to get back and. Miles Sanders is supposed to return. So I think that's gonna help Carson a little bit, but ultimately, I mean, this is still, you know, a pretty strong secondary. And like yeah. you said, their front seven is, is 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 we just saw them, you know, do a pretty good job up against Dallas. And Dallas has a far and away more talented offense. Yeah.
0: I'll say I'll say this with Miles Sanders, and I don't know if you guys saw this, there were reports that he was held out of week one for precautionary reasons. Because they thought the Eagles that they would handle the Washington football team. And it didn't work out as planned. So, right, yeah. it, for, which is very encouraging. I was talking to an Eagles insider about it. And he was, it, when I heard that, very encouraging as someone who owns Sanders. Yeah, I'm I got expect, some Sanders. I'm expecting him not to be limited for week two when I'm hearing reports like that. If it was for a precautionary and they got cocky that they were going to beat Washington. And then. Well, that they, sounds it, like a Philadelphia thing to do. 100%. Be, be overly cocky for no particular reason. Trust the process. Oh God! <laughs> oh, let's, man. That's that's right there, stake to my heart.
1: So you know, all those Philly fans must be loving watching Jimmy Butler hit game-winning shots. Oh my God!
0: And they're like, Yeah, we signed Tobias Harris instead of this guy. You yeah. gotta be kidding me! They really screwed that up. We'll, we'll, John, we'll do a whole thing on that for the burial <laughs> of the process. <laughs> but for now, let's continue talking about what's going on in the NFL, guys. We had a minor scare. For what seemed like an eternity, but really was a few hours. Alan Robinson, Fantasy Alarm, one of his favorite, favorite players with Alan Robinson. We all talked about how much of a target monster he is. Now he wanted a new contract. And apparently there were rumors that he was demanding a trade. Later came out, agent, he didn't request the trade, but is unhappy with his contract situation. And then he came out and said he's putting what happened yesterday behind him and moving forward. And he has his entire team pretty much behind him saying, pay the man. Guys, here's the thing. I'm very happy that it seems to be resolved for now. For a second, I couldn't deal with another potential holdout.
2: Yeah, I mean, this is a weird time to have a problem with your contract. I mean, you had, like, nine months since last year to, to figure this out? Like, this Probably is the first ridiculous. time publicly
1: we're hearing about it. I imagine he's been yelling at the Bears organization for a little bit. Uh, you know, yeah, but asking. you know
2: what, John? He never removed them from his social media bio until two days ago. So yeah. that's, you know, that, that's the...
1: That's After the a comeback top. win, no less, he was upset with the organization, you know?
2: Yeah, right? I mean... Of all the times you could choose, Trubisky actually looked decent and you came back and you won. And now you're going to go and bitch and moan about your contract
0: when you knew what it was before the season started. No, I'm going to I'm going to bitch and moan about how Tariq Cohen sucks. That's what I'm going to bitch and moan about. Now I'm so pissed off at myself that I invested two shares into this guy.
1: So again, Justin, we're talking about not overreacting. Uh, and here's the problem with, with, with that, right? Like, we're talking about a Bears team that was down 20 to 6 in the fourth quarter, and yep. then you know, we're completely out of it that whole game. Not they couldn't get anything going. Trubisky looked like an absolute disaster. Like, how in the world did this man win this quarterback job over Nick Foles? And then he threw four, three fourth quarter c- touchdowns. And led them all the way back to a victory, um, and, and got it going there a little bit more. Um, so I'm not ready just to like again rule out Tariq Cohen as somebody that is, uh, you know. I'm not dropping him. No, yeah, right. Don't. i would not saying you're dropping him. I, I think you know, sort of the circumstance of what happened there was uh, a little tough. I mean, he saw forty-six percent of the snaps that led the team uh, at the running back position, but his two targets. You know, he's a guy that has what, like back to back hundred target seasons or something like that. Like he's gonna get looked. I think this is just a weird situation, uh, given the game flow, given sort of the way the team was moving, that he wasn't really involved as much. Um, you know, but I, I mean I, I think we could expect a bounce back. Uh you know, they're facing the what, the Giants, I think. Or is it, yes. Is yep. it yeah, they're facing the Giants this week, so you know, maybe Cohen gets it going here.
0: Nice stack sure. for DFS, yeah. the Bears. Yeah, this week.
2: by the way, DeAndre
0: Swift dropped a game-winning oh, game winning touchdown. Oh, man, I felt like so bad. literally
2: went right through his hands.
0: <laughs> you know, How- Howard was actually Howard and I were actually talking about that. And Howard and I and what Howard said, I completely agree with. And that was immediately next game. They got to start throwing him passes so he can put it behind him. Yep. Even little passes. Try to get him hit him once in the end zone just so he doesn't develop the yips or anything like that. He's a rookie. He's impressionable. Just get him some passes early so he can just move on with his life.
2: Yeah, for sure. I completely agree with that. But, like, the look on his face, like, oh, no. I really don't want to go back to the sideline right now. Because he was wide open. It literally went right through his hands on a little, like, wheel route to the post. Um, Yeah, it – so congrats to Mitchell Trubisky for actually getting a win. But it does kind of come with an asterisk that it probably should not have been a win. And by the way, he looked like crap for three quarters. So uh, there's still there's still the chance that Trubisky doesn't finish the game against the Giants. Because, you know, that's kind of the way it's it's looking right now. You could put in polls if Trubisky sucks again in the first half. Who
1: knows? Yeah, I mean it's obviously it's tough to, to justify that it, given the three quarter touchdowns in the fourth, but um, you know, we'll we'll have to see. I mean, I Detroit doesn't have a good defense. Uh and, They're and, bad. They're and really they lost one of their better defenders in, in Jamie Collins, uh, you know, an early idiot of the week candidate for headbutting the stu- the official in the oh first quarter and getting yeah. 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 yeah, I understand he was trying to show that the guy leaned with his head to his chest. But you don't put your helmet in the chest of the referee. No, you so don't. No
0: contact with the team. officials.
1: Yeah, like so he got disqualified right away, uh, like an idiot. So, uh, you know, but I mean, the Giants, you know, while they're not, they're still the Giants and not very good. They did add some some pieces there. Uh, they have some interesting players and in, on that side of the ball. So, um, yeah, we'll we'll see. Again, we're not. This isn't a good, unexpectedly good offense. <laughs> with chicago so the giants could look a lot better against them than they did against the steelers
0: yeah as long as daniel jones is not making too many boneheaded throws like he did right by the end zone during an incredible drive At that point you just throw it away or you just take the hit yeah. and go well, down.
1: I, I told james ray that james ronda of course babyface being the big giants fan that he is uh having that conversation uh two things stuck out to me one you're on like the three yard line why are you not handing the ball off to saquon four straight times I, I can't imagine there have been many times in, in his life where barkley has gotten you know four carries and wasn't able to get three yards uh you know the coaches that refuse to run the football to their bell cow backs like uh you know a saquon barkley uh just confused the hell out of me uh but number two you know that's growing pains with, with uh with daniel jones and checking right. your quarterback trying to do a little bit too much i said uh you know, to James and our, and when we we're discussing it, you know, if that's Tom Brady, if that's, you know, you know, any veteran quarterback, throw him out there. They're throwing that to the Peanut Man, and they're going back in the huddle for a second down. You know, they're not going to try to do too much with it. So, uh, growing pains, but I thought Daniel Jones looked really good. I think I think there's a lot of upside there, and uh, everybody who poo pooed that pick two years ago are going to be, I think, going to be okay.
2: Yeah, I really don't want to give Dave Gettleman credit, <laughs> but Daniel Jones looks looks pretty good. And the pictures we saw of him in camp, coming in like putting on a bunch of muscle, uh, is definitely going to help him. Obviously, you know. And the
0: schedule will get easier after. we does get oh, easier.
2: Oh God! What and, did the Giants do to annoy the schedule
0: makers? Because that thing is it's just... four. It's four. Now it's just three more weeks, and then <laughs> and then they're good. That's it. All. You, if you're a Daniel Jones owner, don't get too frustrated. Don't get too down. He's going to be throwing a lot. This Giants defense is crap. You just gotta power through the next three weeks and lower your expectations a little bit. And then after that, you're going to love him, And then you're going to hope you didn't drop him because if you drop him now, and then in a few weeks he starts balling out in easier matchups, you are going to be kicking yourself and let's not do that.
1: What do you think about uh, Darius Slayton's output there? Obviously there was a lot of questions in drafts this year. Who are you taking? Cause they were all sort of bunched up together. Tate, oh, Slayton, I am so Shepherd. glad I took Slayton. You know, they were all sort of in that, that area, you know, and, You know, it was it was hard to decide who you thought would be the guy. Uh, But it seems like last year's, you know, chemistry that they built together with everybody injured has clearly carried over uh, at least week one of this year.
0: Yeah, I just want to let you guys know that report that a lot of fantasy analysts and players were really stuck on. It it was saying that Sterling Shepard was burning corners in practice. They were his corners. yeah Yeah, his corners suck yes exactly burning Burning his real crap corners and people didn't realize oh my god he's burning corners this is the number one guy 11th round pick
2: yeah if he was burning jalen ramsey or minka fitzpatrick or you know
1: somebody to that
2: degree it'd be a different story but he's not he's burning
0: guys that probably would be on the practice squad for like 28 other teams, and I want to put this out there too, guys. And w- we talked about this on previous stream shows and everything. The Giants last year, they really didn't have everybody healthy, all their offensive weapons healthy when playing, just like last year. Picking up right from where they left off, we haven't seen them with Golden Tate just yet. That's true, yeah.
1: yeah, yeah I, mean, I mean, when I, mean, I say
0: Golden, I mean in with everybody else. Yeah,
1: no, totally. I, I get what you're saying. It, yes. And it will be interesting what hap, happens when that offense fully is, you know, on the field and healthy together. together. Um, you know, it was just the target share and, and the deep ball and the red zone looks that were going. Engram, uh, Engram did get a couple of looks. Yeah, yeah but seven targets. That's a tough front seven. And obviously, it's a Steelers defense. They're a strong unit. Right. Uh, you know, they have good line coverage, linebackers and whatnot. So I'm not totally stunned that Engram didn't have a huge game there. Um, you know yeah, I'm spot yeah.
0: starting. You know I'm spot starting. We yeah. got Jimmy Graham.
1: I started Jimmy Graham. We uh, all should be starting Jimmy Graham. He almost had two yeah. touchdowns. He yep. they he actually gave him two touchdowns, and then they called him down at the one. So, yep. you know Graham. Graham was there. He's number two in targets on that team. I mean, if you want to see somebody right now, go check out uh, Andrew Cooper's uh, Twitter timeline. The fury that people are throwing at him right now because he ranked Jimmy Graham ahead of Dallas Godert. As, waiver, as a waiver priority claim this week. Oh, he has a thread of comments like 20 deep of people just attacking him. Why? Would I don't think have a, but
0: that's unwarranted.
2: I don't understand why it's really. Bad. Goddard had a big week, and everybody looks at one week and goes, Goddard had a better week than Graham. Okay. But the scheme wise, A, he's sharing tight end duties with Zach Ertz, who everybody took as a top three guy. And. Matt Nagy loves pass catching tight ends. Look at what he did with Travis Kelsey in Kansas City. Like, it makes no sense why you would take Goddard over Graham.
1: Yeah, Graham had three catches, seven targets, and a score. Obviously, could have very closely had a second score if it wasn't yep. for being like down by like in you know, a toothpick length uh, of the, to the end zone. And like we said before, Trubisky played like trash for three quarters. You know, yes. So, like. You know, once they got going, they were going to Graham in in key spots there. So uh, I'm with you guys. And, and, you know, this is actually a a matchup for him where, you know, while Eric Ebron didn't have the biggest of of games, there's more weapons in Pittsburgh to throw the football around. The Giants typically are a team that struggles against opposing tight ends. So I could see Graham, again, very heavily involved here and and maybe come out with another, you know, solid game. If he goes, you know, like you said, three or four catches, 40 yards and a score – for most games this year, people are going to love them. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Ram is what? The second target on the yeah, Bengals? It's, it's Allen Robinson, Anthony Miller, Jimmy Graham. They're all going to be right there in, in targets. Robinson should, if if Trubisky right. knows what he's doing, give him. We, 10, we know
0: it's can. not Tariq Cohen.
1: Right, right, right. But that's what I'm just, saying. Like, Robin's it's either going to be Graham or Miller. A game, in, in my opinion. Like, the way we saw Devontae Adams, the way we saw DeAndre Hopkins, the way we saw those elite wide receivers get targeted in week one should be how Allen Robinson is being targeted by, by the bears. You know, that's, that's the way that they should be going about it. Um, But Graham and Anthony Miller are going to probably be in that six to seven target range, in my opinion.
2: Right. That's what I'm saying. And Goddard's not even the top target in his own position on his own team. So
1: yeah. Ertz (laughs) still saw like seven targets. It was just, you know, they, the the defense was slanted to stopping Ertz and Goddard was able to get that huge breakaway touchdown uh, as well. I mean, you, you can't sit here and say, like, all right, he had, I think, like, seven or eight catches on eight or nine targets. Like, great production from Goddard. It happened. But right. I mean, he, he, he still blocked, I think, the stat was, on uh 20% of the offensive pass plays that they had Goddard was in on protection for. So, like, you know, the, the upside in consistency could still potentially be there. But, I mean, like I said, it was just pure venom being spewed at Coop over his uh, waiver wire tight end pickup rankings. He had Logan Thomas as number one. Uh, Graham is two and Goddard as number three. And it's not like he had Goddard at the bottom of his list. He was right there, but uh, I mean they're yeah. not—they're not a lot of good, sexy tight ends that you can pick up. I was just gonna say someone that you can probably
0: find who I saw was dropped in a decent amount of leagues. Mike Kosicki Yeah, that's someone that you'll be able to pick up. But people are asking if they should drop Hayden Hurst. One game. Yeah, yeah.
1: Somebody asked. One game See against a team you? that has a good coverage tight end guy in Jamal Adams.
0: I just don't understand that. It's it's unbelievable. It's just, again, be careful when adding and dropping. Be careful when making trades this early as well. Trade out of need, not desire. It's not like trading basketball or Pokemon cards or whatever you used to collect back in the day. Pogs, it doesn't matter. At the end of the day, you have to build your foundation and you have to give it more than one week to figure things out. Even if you had a 55-point week, unless you lost three guys from the week, which you talk to many people in the industry, guys, everyone has everyone. So if you lost three players, then yes, you're playing from behind the eight ball at this point. So you've got to make a move. Besides that, though, if you had one bad week, the overreaction is just absolutely incredible, guys. And I don't want to say because everybody overreacts, so we would all be idiots. But let's talk about the idiot of the week, guys, because my idiot of the week is going to go in the NBA to Magic Johnson. And that is because Magic Johnson tweets out after the Lakers went up 3-1 that, oh, boy, it's so great. Battle of L.A. Western Conference Finals. Now, the question is, was Magic Johnson trying to be cocky or did he not realize that the series is a best of seven and not best of five? And that is up for debate. Idiot of the week. And then Denver came back to take out the Clippers.
1: Yeah, yeah. I don't give Magic Johnson a lot of credit for many things that he tweets out. Usually they're pretty poor takes or uh, misinformed, So. Uh, I wouldn't put it past him not to realize. Well,
0: that's because you're a Celtics guy. Didn't he also
1: guy. call the BAM defensive
2: play like the best defensive play he's ever seen? That was one of the best defensive plays
0: I've ever seen, actually. Yeah, I'm just saying it goes along with his outlandish takes. Right, but I don't think that's an outland- outlandish take at all. I actually think that that was one of the best defensive plays we've ever seen. That he, Jason Tatum and John, come on, man. I know it's painful to talk about. Jason Tatum had a dunk halfway down. And there's no controversy with the a foul or anything. clean
1: block. It, clean it block. was a
0: the one of the cleanest blocks I've also ever seen. No contact with the body somehow. Bam Adebayo is a premier center. He's bringing back the old school center position, because now they're not going to be these soft centers who are just sitting there on the arc shooting threes anymore. More teams are going to want more centers like Bam, who can ball handle drive, be tough in the post, bring back the tough centers from the nineties. Bam Adebayo, the flag bearer.
1: Yeah. I mean, like I said, it was, it was tough to watch. Cause I saw Tatum going up. I'm like, here we go. Like that's flushing down. And I don't know where, uh, you know, he came and talk I'm more upset a little bit of how the game ended up, you know, with, you know, the final shot selection, you know, it it kind of shows that the Celtics are still inexperienced in terms of, you know, they're young, you know, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown are still very young players in this league that haven't clearly hit their peak, Uh, their end game management of the clock and uh, shot selection at times is still very questionable. Tatum took a lot of, you know, ISO hero ball threes that were, you know, 10 feet behind the line at times where I thought were unnecessary and sort of either trying to run a play or make for a better shot. So uh, I think those things will come as they get better and more, you know, more experience in the league. But uh, yeah, I can't take anything away from the heat. You know, it was a good, good game, good series. or uh, It's going to be a great series. Probably.
0: Oh, it is. I think it's going to go seven. It's going to be so much fun so who is up for idiot of the week? Let's go to you and Pemba. Who do you have?
1: Yeah, I'm going to go with this one because it cost me uh, one a wager. Uh, and, uh, you know, this is uh, Broncos coach Nick Fangio and how he handled the end uh, of of the game there. Um, they are – Broncos are up one on Tennessee. I had Denver plus 150 because the line swung from Denver actually being favored to being an underdog after the Von Miller uh, injury was announced earlier in the week. So getting Denver plus 150. Denver is like one of the best home records in September you can find in the NFL because teams aren't acclimated to elevation. Their conditioning is not truly there to begin the year. So Denver typically rolls. So uh, to set the scene here, there's about three minutes ago in the game. Denver has the ball up one. Uh, it's either at midfield or they just got past midfield because they forced Tennessee to punt. Uh, first play call, incomplete pass. Second play call, a run, they gained two yards. Third play call, a downfield pass, incomplete, and they had a punt. They wasted 30 seconds off the clock, up one three minutes ago in the fourth quarter against Tennessee. Didn't make Tennessee use any of their timeouts, didn't kill any of the clock to make you know go down to the two-minute warning or whatever. They punted back. They Tennessee drives all the way down the field. They get to the Denver 30, so now they're in field goal range with about 90 seconds left. Denver has all of their timeouts, and now they're not using any timeouts to preserve clock to allow their offense to maybe have time to drive down the field to have themselves a chance to win the game. Instead, Tennessee gets the clock all the way down to 20 seconds, kicks the game-winning field goal, and they and Denver ends up losing. The mismanagement of clock for me with coaches in the NFL is just mind-boggling. How you don't have an understanding that, you know, you're so at at that, that juncture of the game. You want to make sure that Tennessee's either burning all three of their timeouts or you're running three straight run plays to get the clock down to the 2 in the morning because you want to either have them not be able to stop the clock or have as little time as possible to get all the way downfield if you're going to punt. They didn't either. They punted, let Tennessee go down the field on them, and then they, they basically carried all of their timeouts in their pocket with them to the end of the game because they didn't stop the clock to give their offense any time. So uh, Nick Fangio just blowing up the end of that game there. Uh, cost his team a win. Cost me a nice little money line bet of plus one fifty that I thought I was going to be able to, to be cashing there at the end, especially when they got that ball back. So, uh, idiot of the week, right there, uh, going to him.
2: Yeah, that was pretty brutal.
0: That was <laughs> that was not fun to watch. Yeah, thanks, uh, Vic. Now John's got to eat grilled cheese for the next two weeks.
1: Killed me. I, I was I was uh, you know two and one going into the night. I lost the the Cowboys game. Uh, you know, minus two there. This is all on the the NFL best bets article, which you guys can read on Wager Alarm and you know, over on Fantasy Alarm as well. I had the Bears at plus 130. I had the Ravens at minus seven and a half. I had the Cowboys at minus two. I had the Broncos at plus 150. So, like, uh, could have been a nice three and one week. It was looking that way, and he just bungled the end of that game there.
2: Yeah, and to speak to it, in the last 20 years, the Broncos have gone 18 and two in their home openers. Um, in Denver, and combined the first two weeks of the season in their history, they're fifty-nine and two. So,
1: yeah, they don't lose only, in Denver in September. They don't it lose doesn't in happen. Denver
2: in the early part of September. They just don't until Vic Fangio can't figure out how to run a clock. Can't run
1: a um, clock. You, you gotta kill clock. Gotta kill clock.
2: Yeah. So we already touched on one of my options earlier. It was Jamie Collins. So I'll leave that one alone. But my idea of the week has got to go to Paul George for his answer as to what happened in losing the series. And he goes, well, it's just year one. Okay, but your team mortgaged their entire future to make the run this year with a guy that's coming off a finals run in Kawhi last year. And Paul George, one of the top, I don't know, what, eight, ten players in the league? Paired up with him, you had the deepest roster, arguably one of the best coaches in the playoffs. Ugh. Hell mean, out of here with that! Get out of here with that crap. Doc Rivers sucks. Well, there's another stat I'll get to in a second that does point out that he sucks. However, he's probably one of the most experienced playoff coaches in the playoffs right now.
0: Yeah, because he's and given teams. He's given he what? Yeah, he I agree. The, the uh, dude can't. The dude can't freaking grow a flower. I, I agree. I agree with that.
2: Just saying, Paul George's answer, year one, that's your answer when you blow two 15-plus point leads late in games, up 3-1, and then you absolutely flat out crap the bed in game seven? I
1: mean.
2: That's just a terrible answer. you got to come up with something better. But stat about Doc Rivers, it points to him being a bad coach. He's now the first coach in NBA history to lose a series 3 separate times when he's up 3-1 with 3 different teams.
0: Yeah. He's It's some, insane. He's a bad coach he is. And oh, man, oh I get it. he's a great emotional leader. You're supposed to be nice to the players. He's he's a figurehead coach, right? He's got
1: the yeah, name. Cachet. I just
2: meant he was one of the most experienced playoff coaches in the playoffs right now.
1: Yeah. I mean, he's, like he's benefited from Yes talented around him but he only ever won when he had three hall of famers on his roster
2: oh i agree we don't have to we all we're all in agreement i've been making the argument that he sucked in boston until he got three hall of famers and then all of a sudden he won coach of the year well if you can't win coach of the year with three hall of famers on your roster you shouldn't be coaching
0: You know, I find funny. I find funny. So when he began his coaching career, I believe he started out in Orlando and he sucked in Orlando. He really did. He could barely get them off the ground. And this part of it also was they had Grant Hill, who was off injured. They signed him to a big deal. And then he injured his ankle really, really badly, worse than Michael Thomas. And it nearly took him out for about three, four years. So I can't fully blame him there. But then as soon as he leaves, he departs. The team gets better and in 2009 they go to the finals. So, you know, just saying that with Boston, given that yep. team that he was in 07, 08 and I mean you knew as soon as they got Garnett and Allen you knew this team's winning the championship. They're winning oh, the I championship. agree. It's going to and, and I'm not arguing against you at all. I'm just saying that this guy has been given super team after super team. Yeah, why the do you Clippers. think the- the Clippers have just been average until this year when they had to put a super Clip, team Clipper, here's, a sta- here's a stat for you, Schwabbe cells. The Clippers are 0-8 when trying to get to the conference finals. How about that?
1: Yeah, Blake Griffin's
0: fault. <laughs> it is Blake Griffin's right? fault. Right? <laughs> it's not Chris Paul's fault. We know that after seeing what he did with Oklahoma City. But Doc Rivers, big-time idiot. But, guys, let's help out. The fantasy alarm faithful by just talking about for our alarming seven, we're actually doing a fantasy sports topic for once, guys. And with that, just seven players. That's all we need. Seven players we're intrigued by. You can go chalk and you could do the entire first round if you want, John. But you know what? If you want, if there are players that are guys you drafted later that you are interested in that you're going to be watching like a hawk. Let's bring them up right here. Let's raise that awareness, guys. And I will start with my first player, and that is Marquez Valdez Scantling. Guys, ADP TV last year, I was drooling during the video. John, you edited it. You saw it. I was drooling all over my face when talking about just how great of the draft value MVS was. And Geronimo Allison didn't work out, either one of them. This year really didn't target him too much, but then I started drinking the Kool-Aid a little bit when I read the reports from the coaches and Aaron Rodgers that he had an outstanding camp. Week one, four for 96 and a touchdown, could have had another one. Guys, I like the way he looks. I like the way he runs. Not too many options there in Green Bay. This is a guy that I have picked up on teams, and soon enough, he's going to have some flex appeal for me. Very intrigued by MVS this year.
1: Yeah, I agree. Uh, it was funny to hear a lot of the uh, you know early camp chatter was all about Alan Lazard. And then it li- literally was like the final week or two before the season kicked off. You started getting all this MBS hype and we're like, oh, man, are we going to get hurt again? Is this what we're going to do? We're going to buy into the outside receiver uh, of Mark as well as Scantling. Um, but, yeah, I mean, both of those guys ended up coming through. If you have Lazard, he found the end zone, had a nice little game. Then of course, MVS also uh, came through, so yeah, it's not bad, it's a good option. I think another guy that's going to be, uh, you know, highly targeted on the waiver wire, uh, you know, for the week. There,
0: yes, good stash option at this point. Telling you, we'll have flex appeal soon enough, especially if Aaron Rodgers has more success like he did in week number one. John, who's your number one?
1: Yeah, so again, not to you know, toot our own horns here, but I was big on the Joshua Kelly train, uh, from the very beginning. I retweeted myself as a Early, uh, you know, uh, you know, proud moment there in May. Uh, Grande had mentioned uh, a tweet about Justin Jackson. I was like, actually, we should be looking at Joshua Kelly here, in my opinion. Justin Jackson, to me, uh, not that good. We've seen him for a couple of years, never really wild. never really did anything. And Eckler's never been an early down back. They they drafted Kelly. Uh, then throughout camp, you start hearing that Kelly's gonna get some, is in their goal line packages. He's looking great, and then sure enough, finds the end zone in week one. Kelly, I mean Jackson ends up getting hurt. Um, so for me, I think Joshua Kelly's is in for a really good spot here. I think he is going to get a lot of the early down timeshare there uh, with Eklo. Eckler. The, Eklo is never going to be a 25 carry guy. It's just not built that way. Uh, so you can see, you know, Kelly getting 10 to 15 carries uh, in that red zone work. I mean, the, the fantasy upside there uh, for a guy who didn't go drafted to many leagues.
2: Yeah. Yeah, that 26 yard run he had was pretty impressive too. I mean, he showed some real burst. He was able to hit the hole. I think he cut back on that one too, juke the linebacker right out of his shoes. So that was pretty
1: impressive. It was Cincinnati, but I mean I, I'm still I'm still taking the victory lap. You know?
2: Yeah, I mean it, it was Cincinnati. <laughs> but hey, Cincinnati <laughs> stopped Austin Eckler enough that they had to go use Joshua Kelly to boost sure. the run. Game, so
0: Right. Uh, and and Anthony Lynn, the coaching staff has said that they want to continue giving Austin Eckler. A good amount of carries like we saw him get. And I call BS on that. And I think that you're going to see him actually get more targets. And then you're going to see Joshua Kelly ground and pound. So don't believe everything you read, because what we were reading before the season was that there was going to be a timeshare for the carries and Austin Eckler was going to be used a decent amount in the passing game, as we know that he is utilized in.
2: Yeah, also keep in mind, Anthony Lynn is a former NFL running back. So the guy (laughs) had to utilize his running backs to the best of their ability. And so I think Kelly's going to be the ground guy and Eckler is going to be the receiving threat like we've seen him be when Melvin Gordon was there. Um, My number one is actually really off the radar. Um, He was not getting drafted at all. Guy had no hype in the Tampa offense. I'm going with Scott Miller. That guy was really impressive to me on Sunday. They all talked about how he reminds them of a Julian Edelman, Wes Welker type receiver that Brady was familiar with, obviously. And uh, he England. gave him a nickname. Yeah. Scooter. Yeah, you get a nickname from TV12. Uh, I think you're you're in pretty good company there. Um, it was quite clear that he still is working on chemistry with Godwin and Mike Evans. Also, by the way, for those of you who are Mike Evans truthers, he
0: still only puts up his entire fantasy point load in
2: half the games of the season.
0: <laughs> so, by the way, I'll, I'll just add this as well. Godwin is in the concussion protocol, right? Right. Now. That's true. I saw that come across today, too. So. Um, I like Scott Miller.
2: I think you could still get him cheap on the waiver wires. I don't even think he's going to be waiver pickup. I think you could get him free agent after the bid process. Um, But he's really intriguing to me as that kind of slot shifty guy that goes across the middle and just racks up catches uh, over the course of the game.
0: No, I'm with, I'm with you there. I mean, again, I wasn't when before week one, I was like, okay, this is, this guy's just a feel good story. But now all of a sudden you're looking at some injuries there in Tampa. This guy could get targeted a little bit more. Again, I wouldn't go crazy. I I don't think he has flex appeal yet, but good stash option and a good add-on if you're trying to upgrade at a position in a trade if he has a good few weeks then you just add him in there and the cherry on top and that is how you make an offer more appetizing so guys I'll say this someone that I'm very interested in and I I've tried to watch a little bit more tape on him than I had anticipated because I wondered and I still wonder if he really does have standalone value and that's Chase Edmonds I drafted him late in drafts in a lot of like not too late, but late enough ninth, 10th round in a lot of drafts. And I know how strong of a runner he is with Kenyon Drake as well going into the season, him being banged up. I thought that there was a shot. Maybe he gets a little bit more love. And I still think there's that chance that he can still carve out his own role And that's where, guys, I mean, again, I'm not starting. This is just for depth purposes. I'm intrigued. I think he's a very powerful back, and he runs with a lot of lower power, and I love that. And, again, that's why I brought up James Washington with the extra effort to get into the end zone. Guys, do you think that Chase Edmonds is a strict handcuff, or do you think that he will have standalone value at some point this year?
2: I think he's got standalone value. Okay. I mean, we saw the target share he got in – You know, in week one, yes, obviously, some of it was game flow and whatever. But we've all heard the coaching staff rave about how much they like his pass-catching ability. And Kenyon Drake was, as far as I'm aware, in a walking boot for part of training camp. So there's still a risk of injury there. We still don't know if it was a flash in the pan when he came over just to be, oh, I'm out of Miami, thank God, and let me show you what I can do. Or if he's actually that guy um so I think chase edmonds has standalone value
1: yeah I think there's gonna be um i don't know if he can be a weekly flex play i think oh he not has,
0: yet. certainly not yet
1: yeah you know like he has some value to where if you're in a pinch you need a spot start that's fine yeah. uh snap share was still seventy thirty to Drake so I mean you know it's not as if it was like a huge timeshare but the fact that he was targeted five times well Drake Presumably the better pass catcher was only targeted twice, and Edmonds was able to find the end zone in one of those catches for 10, 10 yep. yard touchdown catch. I think is certainly, uh, you know, appealing. It's something to watch. You know, if if he's going to see 30% of the snaps, but well, those are third down snaps where he's going to have potentially get those dump off plays, then yeah, the value is going to be there uh, in PPR league. So I like him. I drafted him as well. Uh, again, trying to go with those later round guys who I think could have some value. than like you said, um, cells where. Uh, Drake was dealing with, you know, some foot issues there towards the end of camp. I thought, all right, well, if anything happens here with Kenny and Drake, I want to have this exposure, you know, to a guy who's already coming in injured. So, um, you know, I think Edmonds is an intriguing guy to own. Uh, I don't know exactly if you'd ever be able to confidently put him in your lineup. Though.
0: Not yet. Not yet, at least until he takes yet. Drake and out. If he
1: does it again, if he comes through with another five targets this week, then, yeah, I'll certainly consider bumping him up, you know. Uh, They get Washington, I think it is this week. So, like, you know, it'll be interesting to see exactly how they play, uh, you know, play the Washington football team. Yes. Who
0: is your number two?
1: Yeah, my number two is the Kareem Hunt. I mean, Kareem Hunt, again, a guy that was obviously drafted. um, But the intrigue really came again with how he was used. He actually had more carries than Nick Chubb in this game. And a lot of people were talking about, well, likely game flow, you know, but it really wasn't. If you look at when he was getting these carries, uh, you know, he was just involved in the offense. And, uh, you know, as I put in the in the running back workload uh, article that I posted, if you're a Nick Chubb owner, I'm more concerned now than I was heading into the draft. Now we already knew uh, the impact that Cream Hunt had on Nick Chubb's value last the end of last year when Chubb uh, returned. I mean, when Cream uh, Hunt returned to the team. Uh, And we expected, you know, maybe he would take away some of the pass catching this year. But, oh, man, Chubb's still going to be their number one runner. He's going to get 20. Yeah, Well, he didn't. I mean, they played 49 and 48 percent of the snaps, 50-50 down the middle. Uh, Kareem Hunt had three more carries. He was targeted five times, The Chubb being targeted just once. And, again, I know they weren't in this game. They were blown out by Baltimore, but... I mean, this I I would be worried if I'm a Nick Chubb owner. I think I think we Cream Hunt, you know, is he is an elite running back? Like this is what I this is why I was drafting a lot of Cream Hunt this year. He was a the, the lead, NFL's leading rusher a two, few years ago. You know, he's not just some handcuffed, scrap heap guy with that has a niche upside with receiving skills. He's a legitimate number one running back in this league. 18 for
0: 18 for 90, 18 carries for 90 yards is just not going to cut it. So, like, for, you know, 90 yards on the ground, no catches, no touchdowns, I'm sorry, as much as it's good in reality, we're in the fantasy business, and that's not going to cut it for us. So, that's where fantasy and reality kind of collide, because that's where Nick Chubb, excellent stat line, if you're a fan of the Browns, but if you're fantasy, I need a little bit more from that, or at least a score, if you're not going to do anything when it regards to catching passes. So what, who's your number two? So,
2: my number two um, also comes from the Tampa Bay New Orleans game, though it's on the other side of that game. Uh, Jared Cook, the tight end for New Orleans, he goes a little overlooked because obviously a lot of the uh, you know talk in New Orleans is Drew Brees and Kamara and Michael Thomas. Well, Thomas is now injured. So they're going to need somebody to catch the ball in the passing game. We saw Emmanuel Sanders kind of do not a whole lot there uh, in week one. Jared Cook, though, had a pretty solid stat line. And he had a pretty solid season last year and flew under the radar. And we already know that Drew Brees loves throwing to tight ends. Just remember what Jimmy Graham did in New Orleans. So uh, I'm a fan of getting Jared Cook if he's still out there, you know, Depending on your league size, there's a chance Jared Cook may have gone undrafted. Uh, So that would be my number two intriguing guy right now.
0: You know, when I was debating with Adam Ronis about Jared Cook and Ronis's big thing was he was very touchdown reliant. Is he going to be able to get the targets? We saw them drop tremendously once he left the Raiders. But now we've got Michael Thomas hurt. And when Michael Thomas was in the game, we saw Jared Cook produce... So right there for at least the next few weeks, because he's going to be out there on some of your waiver wires. There's your stopgap for the next few weeks. You didn't want to spend a big pick on Kelsey Kittle, Ertz, Andrews, Waller. You didn't want to. There's your gift from the gods right there. Yep. Pretty much. Even if it's for a few weeks, it's fine. There are not a lot of options all of a sudden in New Orleans. So I'm more open to it, John.
1: Yeah, I was a – you know, it's it kind of sinks obviously now because I actually wasn't drafting any Jared Cook because they brought in Emmanuel Sanders and I thought, all right, well, there's the number two. You know, after they finally got Drew Brees, a number two target that they can kind of rely on. Uh, you know, at least in my opinion, uh, and I figured Alvin Kamara would still be. So I wasn't sure exactly what was going to be there for Jared Cook in terms of targets, but now, like you said, he's you know going to be the number two likely target guy there, at least as receivers. We'll see exactly you know if like traequan smith can finally come through we've been waiting on him for a few years now more of a downfield deep threat guy anyways so uh you know yeah i agree with you guys i think cook's now a really good guy uh somebody that i'm probably just gonna have to live with getting exposure to in dfs realm because i don't got him anywhere in seasonal
0: <laughs> neither do i let's talk about my number three and i'm going to the top of the draft board and i'm going to talk about josh jacobs felt like He was getting a little disrespect, especially when all of a sudden we were dealing with three potential holdouts in Kamara, Cook, Mixon. All of a sudden you would think that someone like Jacobs would maybe get top seven love. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire moves there after Damian Williams opts out. And I think people were just too fixated on how in his rookie year he didn't catch many passes. And the Raiders have said it. He has said it, that he wants to fix that going into the year. But he was still getting a ton of carries anyway. And he seemed like one of the safer picks. And still people were turned off. And now, for those that have him, had a really, really strong start to the season. And I think it's going to continue. I don't think he's going to be able to reach his goals of 60 catches. But 40? 45 maybe? I see that as a possibility. Yeah, I mean, we'll see... Obviously,
2: week two is going to be a tougher test for him than week one. Carolina allowed the most points to running backs last year. Their defense didn't get any better; in fact, it got worse. And the Saints' defense, I don't think, has allowed a hundred-yard rusher in like two seasons, two and a half seasons, something like that. So now, granted, they are opening their new, their brand new Allegiant Stadium on Monday Night Football. So, no fans. <laughs> with no fans, obviously, but like they're still going to be hyped up because they're opening their brand new uh stadium. By the way, also Jared Cook gets to play his former team uh on Monday night, so that might not be a bad revenge game narrative. Ooh. Going there, so,
0: love that. Nice. Look at that. Look at Matt Sells. You are Schwab, John and Pemba. Who is that next on your list?
1: Yeah, so this is a – there's a little bit of like an inside joke with this pick here as well, but I, I, I'm i still a believer in Adam Humphreys. All right, so Adam <laughs> Humphreys, okay, he had seven targets, uh, you know, in uh in week one against Denver. Last year came over. Poor quarterback play for the first half of the season with Marcus Mariota. He got hurt. He was playing banged up. He really wasn't able to really get a good footing there in his first year uh, in Tampa after having, I mean, in, in uh, Tennessee, after having a really good year in Tampa uh, the year before while he's healthy. Uh, we saw Ryan Tannehill throw 43 times in week one, something I did not expect. I thought that we would see uh, and that's with Derrick Henry still getting 30 carries. So uh, this offense was very concentrated on what they were doing. Uh, if Tannehill, you know, proved that he was able to at least for one night carry over, the success that he had from the season before. Again, very bad defense, uh, secondary that they were up against in Denver. Um, but I like what I'm seeing out of Adam Humphreys. And while everybody's obviously flocking to Corey Davis, he's going to be the oh. hot waiver wire pickup this week, had a monster game. Uh, you know, if they're committed to an improved passing attack, I think Humphreys and out of the slot there is going to be an interesting kind of guy there for Ryan Tannehill, the target. So if you're in PPR leagues, You could be getting a guy that could give you six for 50, you know, on a fairly consistent basis, I think, uh, and Adam Humphreys.
0: The Humpty Dance is your chance to do the hump. So some interest there, some intrigue with Adam Humphreys. Thank God you didn't say Corey Davis. Sells, who's next on your list? Uh, I'm going to go with Malcolm
2: Brown. Uh, He had a really impressive showing against the Cowboys. We had heard how the Rams felt they had three or four number one running backs in their backfield this year. And, the, you know, all the talk beforehand was Cam Akers because he's clearly the most talented guy. Well, he didn't have the most productive night. Malcolm Brown was the one that punched it in the end zone there, had, um you know, noticed him more on the field than Cam Akers. So clearly the Rams offense is better this year than it was last year. Uh They're getting the ball out of golf's hands faster they're making more of an effort to mix in runs and not be so predictable um and malcolm brown also did a good job catching the ball out of the backfield so i'm i'm quite in, uh, intrigued there by malcolm brown i think he could be a flex option of you know depending on the the matchup
0: or whatnot but yeah Malcolm Brown's intriguing to me. Yeah, I lost Marlon Mack in the league, and out of $1,000 of fab, I actually just put in a bid of 64, and that won it. So I was a little bit shocked by that, but hey, I'll take what I can get, even if it's just for a few weeks, because I need that running back help. And for me, up next here, number four on my list, let's go to, you know what, let's actually go to the New York Jets' And talk about Jamison Crowder. Was all over this guy all draft season. Seemed like he and Sam Darnold had themselves really good chemistry. They added pieces, but then those pieces got hurt throughout camp. And Jamison Crowder seemed to be the one survivor from all these injuries. And now he's a little bit banged up. But I think, and we, we talked about this a while ago, John, especially, I think 100 targets is still likely for him with this team. I mean, we, Denzel Mims is hurt. They don't have a lot of options. Lev Bell now is on the IR. Take away another pass catcher there. I think 100 targets for Crowder has a good chance now.
2: Yeah, I I agree. I'm actually kind of disappointed in myself. I did not get any shares of Jamison Crowder in any draft. I thought about it a couple of different times. Um, But, yeah, I mean, he's going to be a target hog on that offense he's basically the only one to throw to aside from i guess chris herndon um
0: and i mean paramon's been banged up
2: too yeah. so you can't really trust him. i mean i know adam Rona's had a great article about him in the wide receiver uh you know previews but still can't trust uh paramon mims is injured
0: um you know yeah i I'm, I'm with you there on crowder and that right there that's what I look for, a flex option, especially if I have two flexes, then def- which I have in a few weeks. He's definitely made the cut. John, number four.
1: So I'm going to go with the rookie wide receiver for this one. I'm going to go with Jerry Judy. Again, I watched that Denver-Tennessee uh, t- game pretty intently there, and I was very, very impressed uh, with what I saw. I mean, they talked a lot of you know coming out of camp about how great his footwork was and you're sort of sitting there being like, Yeah, like, what is footwork, right? Like, how do you gate? like, what does that really look? Well, I mean, man, this guy was putting Tennessee guy corners on skates, you know, basically with his footwork out of the break there, uh, getting open pretty much at will. Uh, He really only held himself back from having a monster night. He had two pretty big drops uh, for a guy that is, you know, was arguably the best receiver. uh, You know, to come out of this draft class, it was obviously a surprise to see Henry Ruggs go first to, uh, Oakland. Everybody was stunned by that. They thought Judy likely had an opportunity to be the number one uh, receiver there, but he finished the game with eight targets, had four catches for 56 yards. And like you said, he had two pretty brutal drops. Um, you know where the, I mean, he was moving in middle of the field. It literally just hit his hand. He could have been gone on that first one. I mean, he was wide open in the middle of the field uh, and just dropped it. Now Cortland Sutton didn't play. What's going to look like when Sutton's back there? Is he going to be the favorite target? Did some of the target share go away? But for a rookie, making his debut there, Monday Night Football, eight targets, uh, I, w- I was very, very impressed uh, with him. And, again, a guy I only think I have, like, one share of because I wasn't too sure on rookie wide receivers coming into this year. Um, this kid, I think, is going to be a- an absolute stud.
0: Yeah, just looked – he looked like a natural. I mean, he didn't look like a rookie when he was running on the field. I thought, again, very athletic, really liked him, all the tape that I watched on him. You know, had a few flubs – in this game, you know, at a drop. So I, I like Jerry Judy a lot. I unfortunately don't have a single share of him. So I'm going to be a spectator or DFS Jerry Judy guy if it gets that far. Sells. Well, John stole the one that I was going to
2: do. So I'm going to turn to the other Alabama rookie wide receiver, and I'm going to go with Henry Ruggs. Um, He had a big 45-yard catch in that game. And then obviously he got injured. It was a knee injury, but he did come back and play. Um, He didn't see any targets after that, but he did come back and play. And John Gruden is quoted as saying he likes the fact that the rookie didn't just try to sit it out. He did come back. Um, So that's, that's really intriguing to me because Oakland loves to throw deep. That's what they love to do. They love speedy guys and they love to throw deep. So if you can get big plays, um out of the wide receivers then you can rack up yards in a hurry doesn't take that many targets to get yardage you can get bonuses for big plays in some leagues so uh henry ruggs is is intriguing to me from what i saw uh in the you know the the first half there because the
0: second half he didn't really do much but as long as he doesn't help his friends move we're good no more of that and i'll i'll stick with the trend here we'll go on a little position run here rookie wide receiver cd lamb Liked what I saw out of him as well. And now Blake Jarwin Dunn opens up a few more targets. And that could be the Lamb originally worried on how that number two role was going to shift between Gallup and Lamb. And they were being drafted somewhat close together, a couple rounds apart. Still starters value, starters price for both. But I invested in Lamb in a few leagues. And guys, just like I saw coming in where I thought that he was the best receiver, best looking receiver, most athletic going into this rookie class, I'm happy now, especially with no Jarwin. That's going to open things up a little bit more. Yeah,
1: he he looked good. I agree with you on that one. I I only have, again, like a share or two uh, of C.D. Lamb, again, just trying to get exposure to that that Cowboys offense there. Uh, My next guy is going to be Josh Allen, quarterback Buffalo Bills here. Um, I liked him a lot in best balls. I took him in a league for seasonal uh, as well. You know, they talked about how he wanted to throw more, improve on his passing. He did a lot of work. Supposedly they went out and got him Stefan Diggs to add to the receiving group there. They got him, you know, uh, you know, Zach Moss was supposed to be an improved pass catching running back for them. Is it because he faced the Jets that he completed 71% of his passes? Probably. But he also threw 46 times in this game, targeting John Brown heavily 10 times. Uh, Stephon Diggs was targeted. Cole Beasley was targeted. Devin Singletary, who we thought were maybe we were a little bit afraid of their Fancy. I know we had that conversation. He had five catches uh, as well. So uh, spreading the love for Josh Allen. And then he still did what he did, does best. He vultured a goal line touchdown uh, and got 50 yards rushing as well on top of it. If, in fact, Josh Allen is taking a step forward in his passing, I think he has an upside of being a top-five, top-three overall quarterback in the league.
0: Wow. I
2: mean, that was – no, to add to his point, the 312 yards passing is a career high for Josh Allen. It was the first time the Bills had a 300-yard passer since Tyrod Taylor started for them in, like, December two, three years ago.
1: Yeah. So if he's going to give you 500 yards rushing – and then throw for, like, 4,300, 4,400 yards and, you know, 25 touchdowns or whatever, like, that is going to put him up there as among the top-scoring fantasy quarterbacks in football. Now, it was the Jets, so we'll see what happens next week. But, I mean, at least for one week, you know, he's got Miami this week. It's not like Miami is a real great shakes defensively uh, either, no, they uh, let
2: Cam Newton look like the old yeah, Cam Newton.
1: Yeah, 15, 15 carries for 75 yards and two scores for Cam I mean, look out for Josh Allen. If you took him in like round six, seven, you know, around where he was going, I mean, you could have yourself a weekly 25 to 30 point fantasy quarterback.
0: Yep. Wow. We, we shall see what happens when the opposition gets a little bit tougher. Sells, who's next for you?
2: Uh, Next for me also stays with Buffalo, actually. I swear I did not plan it this way. But I'm going to go with Zach Moss. Um, You know, we talked a little bit about how Devin Singletary might be in danger here. Well, not only did he have Josh Allen vulture a touchdown, Zach Moss saw far more red zone carries than Devin Singletary did in week one. So if they're using Devin Singletary as the the between-the-twenties guy and the pass catcher, then you better hope he breaks one of them for a touchdown. Because I don't think you're going to get very many touchdowns out of Devin Singletary between Josh Allen and now Zach Moss in week one of his rookie campaign saw five times the goal line carries that Devin Singletary saw. So, um, you know, Zach Moss is clearly getting snaps. He's clearly getting playing time. Um, Is he going to be touchdown dependent? I think it's too early to tell, but he might be. But it is certainly intriguing if he can start vulturing playing time from Devin Singletary.
0: Yeah, no, and with that, with Devin Singletary, I mean, that was why I feared what I feared. Because I started reading the reports that first it was Moss is going to have a pretty sizable role. Then it was, well, who's going to be the starter? It's going to depend on the matchup. Just everything I was reading, not good. The fumbling that happened with Singletary. So that's why, guys. Singletary is now my number six because out of frustration and fear, <laughs> I am now a Devin Singletary owner in one league. And with that, this is a league that I really w- want to really win all my leagues. I really want to win this one. It's with the Sirius XM hosts. I've never won a host league title. I've been close, but no cigar, two semifinals. But... I want to win this host league. And right now, again, like I told you with this team, I lost Marlon Mack. I've got McCaffrey, not much else after. So now I'm going to be watching Devin Singletary like a hawk to see if he proves me wrong. And he can take that five yards per carry that he had last year, turn it into something and grow it and then grow my fantasy points total for the week. That's what I'm going to say about that. Sean, number six.
1: I'm gonna stick with quarterback here. I'm actually gonna go with Philip Rivers. There was a lot. A lot of people were sort of down on Rivers, saying he had, you know, a bad game. You know, he they weren't able to beat Jacksonville. uh, You know, and and sure, if you look at his stat line, you see a touchdown, you see two picks, and you're like, eh, not great. He threw 46 times in this game. He completed 78 percent of those passes. So while, yeah, the touchdown the interception ratio wasn't necessarily there. It's not as if he just wasn't able to sling it. I mean, the guy threw all over the field here and put up monster numbers. And now they get a home matchup against the Minnesota Vikings. Who I don't know if anybody watched that Packers game uh, the other day. Yeah, the
2: Vikings didn't stop anybody.
1: Vikings Vikings couldn't stop anybody in that in that receiving group. Now is Philip Rivers, Aaron Rodgers, no? Do the Colts have Devonte Adams? And no, but I mean, Paris Campbell looked damn good. T.Y. Hilton. You know, had a couple drops, but he was healthy. That's, that's a key takeaway there with with him. Plus, he's throwing to all the running backs. You know, we're seeing targets to Hines and Taylor. Even at six tech catches there. So, um, you know, if you're looking for, for whatever reason, a week two spot start at quarterback or you're playing DFS this week, uh, Phil Rivers really should be on your radar, even though, again, the touchdowns you know, weren't necessarily there.
0: And I still threw for over 360 yards. Yeah,
1: that's what I'm saying. 46 pass attempts, yeah. man. Yeah, uh, you know, he's he's fine. Yeah, I mean, if you looked at the stat lines between
0: the two
2: quarterbacks, you would have thought the scoreboard was flipped because Minshew didn't do
1: anything through the
2: air. Like, yeah. I think the Colts allowed like 160 yards passing. Yeah, he or something. just threw
1: three touchdowns.
2: <laughs> and yeah, it just so happened that three of them went for touchdowns. And meanwhile, Rivers was throwing it all around the yard. And I mean, yeah, Hilton dropped that one uh, late in the game that probably could have set up you know, at least another shot, or if I can't remember exactly if they would have been field goal range or not, but um, yeah, the Hilton drop killed them late.
1: Yeah. And um, the, the other thing with, with Rivers, and this is a take that I had, I think fancy me and you and I talked about this with Philip Rivers was um, the improved offensive line for the Colts. I felt like it was going to give Rivers time to stand back there and throw the football. He wasn't sacked at all uh in that game well you know you look at his recent sack time sacked with the with the chargers they had no offensive line there he was he's constantly under pressure sacked 34 times last year and I, and I felt like you know the uh production for him was starting to dip because he wasn't being protected well if the colts can protect them and get give them time to stand back there i i think we could look at a really big you know bounce back year out of rivers
2: also he had his best offensive years with the same offensive coordinator in San Diego that he has now in Indianapolis. So I, I like that take. Yeah. Um, I want to go with his potential replacement in LA and say as a quarterback stash, Justin Herbert should be stashed because clearly Tyrod Taylor is not the option for LA. Like he could not do anything against the Bengals. Really? The Bengals. That team is terrible terrible, like, everywhere, except for maybe Joe Burrow, who looked pretty looked pretty intriguing himself, too. But I think if you need a quarterback stash, um, Justin Herbert, I think, is probably going to be starting pretty soon. And that wide-receiving core and offense is pretty talented. I mean, you got Austin Eckler there, Joshua Kelly's in the backfield, Mike Williams, Keenan Allen, Hunter Henry. I mean, that's a pretty talented offense, so... If Herbert, who if you watch Hard Knocks, everybody on that team loved the way the ball came out of Justin Herbert's hands. Like, it was accurate. It was where they wanted it basically every time. So
0: I I think Herbert might be a QB stash coming up here. Ooh, there we go. Justin Herbert, very intriguing. That's the name of the game here. My final guy is going to be a rookie. And his name is from the Jacksonville Jaguars, and his name is LaVisca Chennault. Another one. I watched a lot of tape. This is what I do before drafts. I watch a lot of tape. I try to find condensed games. I really did. I mean, I guess with LaVisca Chennault going into the draft, he did have some health issues. He scored this past week, and I think the targets, even though it was just four— This is someone who you're going to want to look to stash. I think those targets are going to grow. No, I'm not scared of Conley. Westbrook doesn't matter to me. Besides Chark, who's going to see top coverage, this guy's going to start getting open. And I think later in the season, you're going to be able to spot start this guy in your flex options. And for those, by the way, that have leagues where you can keep rookies for pretty much nothing, as long as you had them on your roster the final day, this is someone you want to stash if you have the bench spots.
1: Yeah, I like Chenault a lot. I kind of kick myself a little bit here. Uh, Again, not to overreact to week ones, but there was a a couple leagues where I had was going back and forth between do I take my 30th share of Randall Cobb (laughs) or do I, you know, go with LaVisca Chenault because they're both sort of in the same area. Um, I only ended up with like one or two shares of Chenault. I still am very overweight on Randall Cobb, hoping week two. Maybe a little bit of improvement, probably not out of Cobb because they're getting the Ravens. But, uh, you know, that, that Texans team uh, did not look very good uh, on Monday night or on Thursday night, rather. So, uh, kind of kicking myself now to see Chanel find the end zone week one. And Cobb wasn't to be seen until the final, basically drive of right. that Houston game.
0: This is not fun. I'll tell you that much, John. Like you, I'm very much into Cobb as well. But hey, it was only week one. Let's see what happens next time. Brandon Cooks, not the healthiest player right now could open things up a little bit more when it comes to targets.
1: Yep. Uh, My last guy here, I'm going to stick with the rookie receivers. I'm going to go with Van Jefferson. Uh, This is a guy that was getting a lot of uh, hype from McVay during camp, saying that he could basically play any wide receiver position um, on their roster. Now, heading into this year, Josh Reynolds was pegged uh, as the team's number three, replacing Brandon Cooks. Uh, Reynolds uh, saw 51% of the team snaps and Jefferson saw forty-five percent of the team snaps, so they were basically uh, splitting time on the field there. Uh, Reynolds only saw one target, while Jefferson uh, ended up finding himself uh, being targeted three times. Uh, so again, it, it's not like a huge uh, share of looks there, but you know Jefferson basically already being at a time share with Reynolds and being targeted more, um, and knowing that you know Cooper Cup isn't always the you know the most healthiest individual. Um, Gerald Everett, again, injured, got banged up in this one. Um, so they were planning on 12 formation. Maybe they changed that up. And now they go with another receiver on the field. Uh, so if you're looking for a stash play, uh, Van Jefferson could be a guy to take a look at.
2: Yeah, I mean, he de- he definitely looked impressive in that Rams offense on on Sunday night. And it was impressive to see them going to him in some pivotal spots, I thought, too. It wasn't just early down work. He was getting... I think he had a couple of third-down conversions, if I'm not mistaken. Um, My last one is going to be a little bit... It's not going to be an individual player. I'm going to give you a defense that I think is intriguing. And it's one that gets much maligned, and it's the Kansas City Chiefs. But from a fantasy perspective, the Chiefs are actually a really intriguing defense to have for fantasy. Last year, they were in the top 10 in pass defense. In fact, they were the best defense against opposing wide receivers. Uh, in terms of points allowed from a fantasy perspective. Uh, they did a pretty good job of shutting down that Houston offense for much of the game. Um, Rushing-wise, they're not going to give up very many rushing yards at all because that the defensive front is pretty impressive. Um, and their division right now isn't exactly the scariest in terms of offensive matchups. I mean, Denver's still coming around. Vegas, yeah, okay, they got Josh Jacobs, but the passing game is still outside of Ruggs, who I said was intriguing. You know, it's still developing. And the Chargers, who knows who's going to, you know, (laughs) yeah, Herbert's intriguing, but let's face it, he's still a rookie. So, um, yeah, I I like the Chiefs defense is one that generally went undrafted, and you can always pick up defenses on the wire. So they're pretty intriguing to me.
0: Yeah, and even if you're looking to stream as well throughout the year, you can that's a team because they're gonna be playing a lot of those division games. Shut down they shut down the Niners in
2: you know they in the did. Super Bowl last year, and it's basically the
0: same unit that's back. So you might you might be on to something sells, and that ends our alarming seven twenty one players and technically an entire defense brought to the table, intriguing options we will have to see whether or not these guys produce at a high level we know that josh jacobs will for matt sells john and peva i'm justin fensterman fantasyalarm.com we are helping you always dominate there isn't any other option we just win onward to week two